Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Bitter, and today I have a solo episode for you where I'm going to touch on a topic that is about simplifying your training. So long story short, and I'll get into this with the episode, is I see a lot of information online about what I guess I'll just call fancy workouts or really kind of creative building of training programs, which I don't have a problem with, but I think a lot of times what happens with that is if you have someone who's new to running or maybe not new, but just generally hasn't followed much structure and is looking to start doing that, it can sort of be a little bit of a paralysis by analysis type of a situation where you see so many different options, so many bells and whistles that you have really no idea where to start or what to believe and what not to believe. So I wanted to do an episode where I just made kind of a bare bones, simplified approach to targeting some stuff to kind of learn the process more or less. And then if you want to add some excitement to your training, you can certainly do that. But this will be kind of like some fundamental type pointers that I think will help out people who are either new to running or looking to add some structure for the first time. So a couple of things that I'm going to add in this intro before I start going uh, that I think will just be helpful as you're listening to itself is I didn't put a lot of info in there about duration of specific running intensities uh, for the most part, because I find that to be one of the bigger individual pieces to the puzzle. And I think one of the bigger mistakes runners oftentimes will make is they'll think, okay, I need to follow a program or I need to follow a process. I'm just going to parrot what so-and-so did, or like they get invited into the sport by somebody and they just kind of follow along, which makes, makes total sense. But you have to remember that with a lot of these things, we're looking for a stress response and a recovery and then a stress response and recovery. And by going well past what you're ready for on that stress response is just going to put you in a situation where you're going to either get hurt, you're going to lose interest because it becomes unsustainable, or you're just going to delay recovery to the point where you're actually slowing progress because you're taking future workouts off the table. So it's really difficult to say like, oh, do five hours of this per week or 10 hours of this per week or whatever it happens to be. So I tried to avoid that to some degree uh, for the most part. If you are really interested about that, if you're like, hey, I like the podcast episode, but I'm really struggling at knowing where is a good starting point for me, just shoot me an email. You can find out details to contact me on my website at zachbitter.com. All right, before we get rolling with that podcast episode, just a few kind of quick announcements. One is if you happen to be in Austin and want to meet up, I do help host a group run on Sunday mornings at Metz Park at 9 a.m. For details to that, you can head over to at Outliers ATX on Instagram, and they'll give you weekly updates and things like that. But we have options for everybody. So if you want to meet up, chat for a bit, share a few miles, we've likely got an option for you out there at Outliers ATX. Also, I've had some really fun guest interviews recently. So if you're interested in checking those out, you can find the full catalog of episodes at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO. That is the podcast landing page. So on there, you'll see pictures, details, descriptions of all the different episodes that I've created, the full catalog. So if you want to look through that and find ones that you find interesting, uh, then that's a good spot to start. It also has information on there for you to support the show if you want to. One way people will support the show sometimes is through the show Patreon page. You do get some perks by joining that. Uh, those would include early release and ad-free audio. So if you want to skip the intro, get right into the episode and just get right to the point, so to speak, joining the show Patreon page is a great way to support. It also is uh, typically early release. I'll usually get those up there as soon as I'm done recording. So sometimes, especially with guest interviews, I might record a few weeks ahead of time. And if you want to get access to that before everyone else, that's another spot for it too. Uh, There's also other ways to support the show monetarily without joining the Patreon page. If you don't like the Patreon app or use the Patreon app over on the landing page, zachbitter.com forward slash HPO. But ultimately, if you really want to help the show, the best way you can do that is liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast episodes. So 
If you listen to podcasts on a specific app, subscribing will just auto download the episodes to you when they come out and then you won't miss an episode. Uh, also, if you find an episode you really like, sharing it with your friends and family and on social media really helps me grow the listener base and ultimately record more episodes in the future. So that goes a long way to help me out if it's something you're interested in doing. Finally, uh, one of the show's main sponsors for 2023 are my friends at Element T. They make the electrolyte product that I use for my training, racing, and day-to-day life, especially when it gets warm outside. So right now, I've been actually had a rotation that I'm using with their product at the moment since it's been quite humid and I've been sweating a little bit more on my morning sessions is I'll wake up and I'll have a cup of coffee and I'll mix about a third to half a packet of one of their chocolate uh, element tea electrolytes in with my coffee. And that gets me kind of started out right. And then if the workout is long enough, I'll bring some water and electrolytes with me. And right now I've been using their raspberry flavor. So usually I'll put maybe another third to half a packet of that in you know, 16 to 20 ounces of water and bring that with me. And that kind of keeps me topped off for that first phase of the day. If you're interested in checking out their products, they have a wide range of flavors. So they have this chocolate medley, which is one of the ones that I use in the morning, as well as citrus salt, orange salt, watermelon salt, which is probably my favorite fruit flavor one, to be honest. Um, they have a raw unflavored one, which I'll actually just sometimes throw in a travel bag. If I need some salt on something that I want a packet of salt, essentially to travel with that one, it works nice. Cause it's, it doesn't have any of the flavors to add. If I want to add it to food, I can, or if I just want to have it with whatever beverage I'm having without any of the, the taste, maybe deep into an ultra marathon where the flavor of anything tastes ridiculously bad. So um, that's another option. Also raspberry salt, lemon habanero, mango chili, And ultimately, one of the promos they're running right now is their variety pack, which has one of each of them. So you can actually get that variety pack for free by going to drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO. If you use that link, you'll be prompted to add that variety pack to your cart with whatever your first purchase is. So let's say you think to yourself, I'm going to try out that raspberry salt head over there, get the raspberry salt, get the variety pack for free. You can try out the raspberry salt as long as all the other flavors and then decide which one you like the best. If you want to have reoccurring orders or start adding it to your training and racing regimen, that is drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO links to that can be found in the show notes, as well as on my website sponsor landing page for the podcast, which is zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. All right, folks, that's it. Let's get into the episode. Today's solo episode topic is going to be simplifying your training. So one thing I was thinking about the other day was just the number of just different workouts, different workout structures, different workout intensities, and then the amount of emphasis or lack of emphasis, depending on how you're looking at it, that we sometimes will put on certain aspects of training, uh, specifically for this podcast, endurance training. And I got to thinking, man, if I were someone new coming into the sport, or even maybe not someone new, just someone curious that hadn't done a lot of like research into training methodology and things like that, there's a good chance I'd be overwhelmed with just the amount of options, sort of like a paralysis by analysis type of situation where, you know, you look at your left, look to your right, and you see people doing like just some crazy workouts where there's like multiple different interval lengths and different intensities and different recovery timeframes between sessions and things like that. And it just would be like, where do you even begin or how do you even tease out whether you're making progress within these things or not? So I thought fun episode might be to look at just what is kind of what I would consider like a bare bones, like let's make sure we get some of these major things taken care of first. And then once you've kind of done that, you can optimize or lean into certain things, add some creativity, add some flavor, like I like to call it into your training workouts so that you have a little bit more variety. Once you kind of have a better understanding of both what it feels like to run specific intensities what it looks like to improve upon them, 
where your own personal strengths and weaknesses are at and the timing of it all, like the order of operations. Cause that's the other big thing. There's like great workouts, but they all come at the cost of essentially any other workout you could do for it. So one of the funny things I always see online, someone will be like, Oh, well, you got to do more zone two or, Oh, you have to do more hit training or something like that. And none of these workouts are inherently good or bad. It's where are they going to get you and what could you replace them with? And what is the cost of that? So for example, let's say that you are getting very close to a race and that race is going to be a short endurance event where you're going to run pretty hard. You're going to be up at around your VO2 max or what I would call like a short interval session type of intensity it's the opportunity cost to do just say like a zone two run there versus running a couple sessions at that intensity per week is probably pretty low because when you're getting very close to the race, working on the intensity at which you're actually going to be performing at is going to move that needle. So that would maybe be a very fair opportunity cost to say trade out some zone two volume in order to make room for the actual stress of that workout itself, that short interval workout and the recovery that it requires. So maybe we rewind a little bit and let's say you're 16 weeks out from that race, that shorter race that is going to be done at around your VO two max, maybe not the best time to trade in that opportunity cost. That opportunity cost might be too large where now I miss two, maybe three days where I could potentially add some volume at uh, your zone two, we'll call it, or just below your aerobic threshold, developing kind of that foundational stuff. It may not be worth trading out that much volume at something that's very beneficial to your overall fitness, but not specific to the intensity you're racing at. And once we start picking different race distances, intensities, it gets even more fun because you have a situation where now the moving target is the intensity you're running at race and how do you actually order these workouts to best fit getting you ready for that specific intensity or distance that you're planning to run. So kind of a quick review, lots of people, especially new runners can get bombarded with such a variety of running workouts, training templates and claims to superiority of certain styles of training that I find I think a lot of people just start blindly start doing things. They don't actually let anything actually settle in and develop or adapt to it before they're kind of moving on to something else that is appealing or looks good or they think they should be doing based on some piece of advice that they found online or wherever. Uh, so this episode is going to simplify things for you, whether you're a new person to running or have been doing it for a while and want to scale back to the basics, develop a strong overall fitness before getting into the weeds with some of those fancy programming type tactics that I think there's some value to those, but I think there's a place and a time and a place for them essentially. Um, so let's just get into some things here. Just a disclaimer. I don't have a problem. Like I said, with programs that have a massive library of workout types, intensities, blends, and things like that. If you're doing that and you have a realistic why for it and you know why you're doing it and you're actually assessing the progress you're making and seeing those gains you would expect in a time frame that you're looking for. So if you're doing that, you can continue to do it. This isn't to be a situation where I'm trying to talk you off a successful approach that you've been working on. This is going to be more for those who, like I said, are kind of lost in the weeds, so to speak with it and our lost direction because of just like over, over stimulus to different options and not really having a real why or real directive as to what they're doing. So I'm going to break this down into as simple as it can be in terms of if someone has no knowledge of running yet could essentially take this episode and probably start putting together at least a start or something that they could kind of wrap their head around and have an idea, not feel overwhelmed at least after it. So most simple way to think about this is we have kind of some sort of distinct intensities that that we're going to use here. And if we want to really simplify it, we could go like an easy pace, a moderate pace, and a hard pace, or I should actually say intensity. Uh, the pace is sort of a moving target depending on like where your fitness is at, who you are, and everything like that. Because one person's pace at a certain intensity could be wildly different than someone else's pace at that exact same intensity. I like to break it down into a few more 
categories than just those three though, because I do think there's some value within those ranges that are worth taking note of and potentially targeting at times in your training. So I like to break this info into actually five. So thinking of just five different intensities that you're going to be working with while you're developing your fitness. These five types include an easy recovery, a base pace threshold, or like a long interval or tempo type work is what a lot of people maybe would call this. And then short intervals or like a VO2 max type workout and then race intensity. So the one in those, we're going to, I'm going to go through all five of those with more detail. So you have an idea of like what I'm actually getting at with that. Cause I do understand that within the running community, there's a lot of words that describe the same thing and it can get confusing. So I'm going to break down all five of those with some more details for you and then talk about maybe how to apply them. Uh, the one of those five though, that stands to be a little more subjective or dependent upon what you're actually doing is that race intensity. So technically speaking, if the race you're doing happens to fit one of the intensities that I mentioned before that one, you're only looking at four basically at that point. So uh, yeah. I mean, and then that happens from time to time. So we'll, you'll, you'll understand that as we go through this, where that would maybe be applicable for you, depending on what you're doing. So let's look at first easy category. I'm going to have two categories within that. So those two categories are like the recovery pace. So your recovery pace is going to essentially be as easy as it needs to be so that you're getting the results you're looking for, which is going to be showing up fresh enough to get a high quality uh, output at that next focus session you're doing. So let's say, for example, you have a 45 minute easy run scheduled into your plan. I don't care if that is two minutes per mile slower than what you would normally run for an easy pace on fresh legs. If we said had a hard workout the day before, we're just looking to get your legs moving, generate some of the, the adaptations that are going to take from an increase in volume and some of the uh, recovery benefits of actually going out and moving for a short period of time at a very low intensity and really focusing on what is next. If you find yourself pushing too hard in these easy runs and taking future quality off the table from another session, you're going too hard during those. So with this type of intensity, I usually, when I'm talking with a coaching client, one of the problems or conversations we oftentimes have is like, well, why is my easy pace getting slower? I see this all the time when we're in certain phases of training where we're leaning into say short intervals. We're really focusing as that one of our key intensities of, of development at the time where the time between those sessions are oftentimes times where you do have to be very cautious. So what you would maybe just go out and intuitively run at that same effort, say on fresh legs in the early stages of a training block when you're not doing any speed work might actually be faster. So it makes this weird kind of messaging in your head to some degree where you're thinking, why am I getting slower when I should be getting faster? But you got to remember if your focus is developing short intervals at that time, you should be watching your progress with those versus watching your progress with an intensity that you're not necessarily using as the focus of development and adaptation at that time. That's not to say that's going to happen. Everyone's going to be a little bit different and it may vary from one run to the next for you. You may have a day where you just feel really good on your easy day for whatever reason. Uh, maybe the workout you did just didn't stress you at the individual level as much as it did someone else. And you're running, you know, a fairly decent clip relative to what you normally would do for that easy pace. Uh, but again, the key is being honest with yourself. Did that workout elicit additional recovery needs, pushing back that next opportunity to work on the focus session? Or did it allow you to get there sooner or on time in order to maximize your potential to spend the right amount of volume at the intensity you're focusing on? So the second half of that easy category is what I like to call base pace. So base pace is going to be just underneath your aerobic threshold, and it's going to be approximately 70 to 80% of your max heart rate or if you know your lactate threshold, roughly 20 to 30 beats per minute below that. So this intensity is essentially the point right up to where if you went any faster, you'd cross over into a moderate intensity and you would start seeing your body require extra recovery, your ability to continue shorten if you go across this. You sort of have this situation where like the, the amount of recovery you need and the amount of stress essentially you're putting on your body up to that 
point is very minimal, relatively speaking. Once you cross that, those recovery needs and things to do and the time you can spend, the duration you can spend at it start to go quite a bit higher and they continue to get even higher as you go further along the intensity spectrum. So the idea of these runs is to stress that point so that you are getting faster up to the end of that easy category, but you're not crossing over it to an extent where now it's also an adding extra recovery. You're not actually stressing the the intensity you're looking for and you're sort of working the wrong intensity that you're that you're targeting. So um, some ways to kind of test that you're not going past that is uh, there's some pretty interesting intuitive ones that I find work quite well a lot of times. And one's just a talk test. If you're running along and you're able to kind of converse in complete sentences, very unlikely that you've crossed over your aerobic threshold and into a moderate intensity. You'll notice if you've done that, you're likely gasping for air when you're trying to speak in complete sentences. Another is a breathing test. Now, I don't necessarily suggest you do this all the time, but if you're able to breathe in your nose and out your mouth, chances are you're getting enough oxygen to uh, provide your body with the resources it needs to maintain you know, up to your aerobic threshold, but beyond that, you'll probably struggle to do that. So if you're really struggling, assuming you're not dealing with any sort of sinus issue or cold or anything like that, if you're able to clearly breathe in your nose and out your mouth without too much struggle there, chances are you haven't crossed over. Other things I like to do too is, uh, we'll oftentimes, I'll talk about this a little bit more as you can use some of the data that you've collected from other workouts in the past. So it may be worth your while if you don't know much about this and your perceived effort hasn't gotten very in tune yet because you're new to running and all these efforts are essentially new experiences for you within the context of running is go and do some field tests to kind of identify like where some of these intensities are. And then you can, you can make some adjustments and kind of play around and get yourself into at least the, the right range to kind of start from and then make adjustments based on how you're behaving with things like that talk test and that breathing test and things like that. So one would be to do like a max heart rate test, which can be pretty brutal. I mean, you're, you're pushing your body hard enough to get up to your max heart rate or get close enough to it where we can realistically use that 70, 80% heart rate range that I mentioned before. Uh, one max heart rate test that I think actually works a little bit better than most is using an incline because you're just much more likely to drive your heart rate up for something like that. It's really low impact too, since you're running uphill hard versus down or on the flat. So you're not taking on quite that impact you would if you were doing like something that was that hard and essentially do three repetitions up a hill that takes you about two minutes to get to the top. You go up once, easy run back down, up a second time, easy run back down, up a third time, check your heart rate at the top of that third session. It's going to give you a pretty good idea of what your max heart rate is in most cases. If that's something that's a little bit out of reach for you in terms of what you're willing to put your body through at based on where you're at, there's definitely other ways to do it. You can uh, do something that's maybe a little more subtle, like uh, you, you do an event or a Technically, you should do it shorter if you're doing a workout, but essentially a race intensity of around 60 minutes is going to identify what I'm going to use for our long intervals. And the heart rate that you are going to have, you're going to achieve for that is going to be something you could probably take about 20 to 30 beats per minute off of. And that would put you right around your kind of target aerobic threshold or that top end of your base pace. Uh, there's other age adjusted ways you can do this. The popular way or semi-popular way, I guess out there's like a maximum of a function equation where you're doing a 180 minus your age. I think there's some problems with that at times. I think it's possibly population level, a decent capture, but if you have like a higher or lower than average max heart rate, and then you're just like more differently fit, I guess, than the average at your age, you might get some really off numbers. A lot of times I'll be working with people and, they'll come in with uh, their maximum aerobic function number and they'll be kind of frustrated because they feel like they're really grinding to a halt in their pace. They're almost, they're taking walking breaks and we just take a closer look at just kind of where their aerobic threshold is actually at. And I've had some even go in and get it tested with like a metabolic heart. And we just realize, oh, you're actually 10, 15 beats per minute below your aerobic threshold at that, that age adjusted heart rate target. So we can actually afford to push you up a little bit further and get you kind of actually in that base, what I would call that base intensity. Uh, 
And that kind of leads leads me into the next phase, which is going to be what I'll build like long intervals off of. Uh, some, some, I'll do some continuous runs with this sometimes too, but usually when you get into the thick of it, I like long interval, I like intervals better in general than say like continuous pace stuff, unless you're working on continuous pacing for a very specific reason, because just like short intervals, you're going to likely be able to accumulate more volume at a high quality at the intensity you're targeting by breaking them into intervals. And then over the course of your plan, end up spending more time, total time at the intensity you're trying to actually develop. Uh, same thing with like, you, you'll hear conversations about this sometimes with just workouts in general, they'll say, Hey, you know, leave one or two reps in the tank because you'll get a good quality workout out of that, but you won't go so far to your limit that now you're kind of trashed for the next week and you miss a whole entire next workout for the sake of one or two extra reps. Uh, so, sort of the same idea there. Like you're just less likely to find yourself in a position where you're overreaching for any one single workout. You're likely to get higher amounts of volume at the goal intensity and get higher quality for it. So I'm pinning these long intervals to an intensity that I would describe as an intensity you could hit if you were at a race day setting for about 60 minutes. So imagine like just this scenario where you and a ton of people ton of other runners all line up and you all run as hard as you can, evenly paced as possible for 60 minutes, just see how far you can get. That's the intensity we're looking for with those long intervals. Since that can be kind of a tough thing to wrap your head around, there are some field tests that can work kind of well with this. Uh, Joel Friel actually has a 30 minute time trial that he uses that I'll use sometimes with some of my clients, especially newer ones. Uh, and the idea is you have this situation where if you're not tapered, and you're just doing this by yourself with no race day setting, none of the adrenaline, none of the, you know, excitement to run a little faster than you would normally be able to, and no people there to help pull you and pace you along. You're likely going to get closer to that target intensity by running a shorter distance with those scenarios. So sometimes I'll cut this down as short as 30 minutes where I'll just have you give a good hard push for 30 minutes and kind of take your average heart rate for that final 20 minutes of that 30 minutes, obviously a nice, easy warm up, some dynamic stretches and things before it are all kind of good advice for anytime you're pushing up beyond, you know, an easy intensity, in my opinion, into that moderate or higher intensity type stuff, just so you're ready for it. And then a uh, nice, easy cool down wouldn't be a bad idea afterwards, but really the, the data we're looking to do is pull from that time trial there. And once we have that, we start playing around with a little bit. Sometimes like you might find that a person's able to execute that quite a bit better than the average person. And then ultimately, once we start doing long intervals, it becomes kind of a little clear that, okay, these long intervals are just a little hard because we're not quite getting the quality out of the last one, or we're falling short and just feeling a little too taxing than it should for the volume that we're spending at the current fitness and development phase of training with it. So if you find yourself in that situation, like, you know, you can maybe adjust up or down a little bit from that, but usually you get decent data from that. And then you have something you can kind of, you can pin to those long intervals. Once you start doing the long intervals in your training, the way I like to structure these is for every, for every, a two to one work to rest ratio. So let's say you decide you're going to do 10 minute intervals at this intensity. So a common one would be like three by 10 minutes. If you're going to be doing 10 minutes for your work, your work timeline, you want to match that with half the recovery. So five minutes. So that would be like 10 minutes on at that intensity. You could sustain for that 60 minute race day setting, five minutes, easy jog walk, 10 minutes on five minutes, easy run walk, 10 minutes on workout complete. When you finish that, you should feel like you could do one more. If you feel like when you finish that third one, you were just a pool of sweat on the ground <laughs> then like, like you would be at the end of an all-out race, chances are you're going a little too fast or you're possibly starting out too fast. So I really like some of the time trialing and using race day like experiences and things to really develop a perceived effort that you can attach to these different intensities. And it sounds really loose and subjective, but once you kind of get into it, it makes a lot more sense and it becomes very recognizable where you start to know like, oh, I can really 
I really recognize what it feels like to run this intensity. And then you might go back after that workout and look at your pace and your heart rate, and it will match up well within the range that you're looking to target. So I like that better because it just tends to be a more immediate feedback loop for you in the workout itself versus waiting for your heart rate monitor to, to catch up to you potentially if it, the, the workout's short enough and uh, possible errors and some stuff like that versus like what your body's actually telling you. Because regardless of whether you're happy with the pace uh, that you're doing, it really like your body's going to send you the signal of what intensity you're in and whether you need to slow or speed up to be in what you're trying to target there. So, you know, usually just takes a few workouts at this intensity to really start to recognize or one of those time trials to really recognize, okay, this is what it feels like. I'm going to really focus on remembering what that feels like so that when I repeat these workouts, it just becomes second nature and I can just go out, push to the intensity I'm looking, deal with the data and the stats and things like that afterwards and take a look at whether I'm actually improving my pace at that intensity over time, which is going to be the target for any of these intensities. If you decide you're working on base development, your goal is to get faster at that same intensity. If you're not, there's something not going right. You're either doing too much or you're doing too little and you're not eliciting uh, the proper stress recovery balance that's going to actually make you faster at the intensity you're target, targeting. Same thing with these long intervals. If you're not improving your pace at that intensity over time, then you likely are doing something a little bit wrong. Again, same kind of scenario. Maybe it's you're not recovering enough between sessions. Maybe you're doing too much of it and you need to scale back a little bit. Or maybe you're just in the wrong intensity to some degree. Although you will notice if you're doing any type of speed work, it's not all or nothing. There is like a bleed over. It's just a little less direct. So chances are, if you're doing anything in the moderate or higher intensity, you're at least in the short term, probably going to see some improvement as long as you're not really overreaching or under recovering or malnutrition or lack of sleep and things. Some of these big movers that can really impact development. So that's that's the long interval intensity. So, so far we've had easy recovery pace, base pace. And I probably should have men mentioned with the easy recovery pace, if you're looking for a heart rate target, generally we're looking at like 50 to 70% of your max heart rate. So that's a pretty big window. But like I said, when I described that one, it should be. It should be based on what you actually need to feel like you're going to be ready for the next quality session. Base pace, you know, we're looking up right up to your aerobic threshold, that end of what is easy where you move into moderate it's going to be roughly 70, 80% of your max heart rate or about 20 to 30 beats per minute below your lactate threshold are some, some decent starting points. And then the long intervals, that's that 60 minutes at your goal race day intensity. Uh, you can use a time trial to help you kind of fine tune that it's going to be that uh, third intensity that, that I'm going to have you start with or focus on when we're looking to kind of just simplify things to some degree. Next is the short intervals. So short intervals is going to be a target intensity that you could sustain for roughly 12, maybe 15 minutes in a race day setting. So this is going to be harder than the, the lactate threshold long intervals. It's going to be targeting roughly what you would probably consider your VO2 max intensity. So for these intervals, I think the easiest thing to do is just to do the time trial, do 12, 15 minute, really hard push get an idea of what your pace is at that intensity, really pay attention to what it feels like. If you evenly pace it, reasonably speaking, then you should just remember that intensity and just be like, okay, anytime I'm doing short intervals now, I'm just going to dial in that intensity and I'm going to do the short intervals. However, we structure them. I'll talk to you about how to do that. And then rinse and repeat with the right amount of recovery in between, and then watch that pace improve at that intensity. Again, just like the other things, that's your sign that things are heading in the right direction. Is your pace improving at the intensity that you are continuously practicing, assuming the environment, like the course and the weather and things didn't drastically change in some, some way. Um, so this one's a little bit, a little bit, I think, I shouldn't say easier. It's just a shorter workout because it's 12 to 15 minutes and you're going to be able to just like kind of do it and then pin your, your short intervals to it. But you can maybe adjust that to some degree. If you notice, like I said before, you're just failing to finish workouts that should be reasonably achievable. Um, stuff like that could potentially impact it because ultimately you want to make sure that you're, you're getting a positive feedback loop mentally as well. So 
Uh, once you do have that though, the way to structure your workouts with these short intervals is a one-to-one work-to-rest ratio. So this differs from those long intervals a little bit where you are going to give yourself more recovery per minute at goal intensity than you would actually twice as much essentially. So if you structure this in a manner where you're, let's say you're targeting two to four minutes, which is going to be a pretty good, like evidence-based duration of time to do your short intervals in to maximize the quality and volume you're able to spend at this in this session then you're going to take that workload number and you're going to just supplement it with an equal amount of recovery. So let's go on the lower end of that two to four minute range. Say we're doing two minutes, two minutes on, two minutes off, two minutes on, two minutes off for the duration of the workout you're trying to, uh, to do. So, uh, one-to-one work to rest ratio for this one, again, just like those long intervals or those time trials or anything you're doing at a moderate to higher intensity, it's definitely worth your while to do a warm up easy jog, some strides, some dynamic stretches before you jump into it, just to make sure your body is kind of closing that gap from rest to the intensity at which you're going to work at. And you'll likely feel a little bit better on that first session, especially for these shorter intervals. Uh, I really dislike heart rate for the short intervals, especially even the long intervals to some degree, because I find that a lot of times the monitors are just going to take a while to catch the data that you're looking for. And with the short intervals, they may not actually catch it at all, even especially if you're using like a risk-based heart rate monitor. So I don't like leaning on heart rate for these because what I tend to see happen is someone decides, all right, I did this time trial. It suggested this heart rate. Now I'm just going to stare at this heart rate monitor and go to knock out these intervals. Well, you're going to probably end up over throttling early on in that interval because the heart rate monitor isn't going to be catching up to the actual intensity you're doing until you've already exceeded it. So an example would be, let's say you're doing two minute intervals, you're looked down at your heart rate monitor 30 seconds in, and it hasn't actually reproduced what you're doing in a timely enough manner. And you're like, Oh, I'm going too slow. So you push harder. Now, all of a sudden you're going past the goal intensity here and likely eliciting like progress at a, at, at a development that you're not actually looking to do, which could come at the cost of what you're trying to uh, actually achieve with those workouts. So this one is just a lot more important to really learn your perceived effort with a time trial or a race setting. That's kind of around that time, time, time frame and, and, and start working that one-to-one work rest ratio, uh, I should rewind a little bit for the long intervals. I tend to do these in durations of eight to about 15 minutes. So that tends to be kind of a good target to break them up into where like maybe early on, you're going to stick to a little bit shorter just so you get more used to the pacing and like the, the understanding the perceived effort and go with like a three by eight minute to start. And then you know work your way up to like, say like a two by 15 minute. It's pretty rare that I would exceed 30 minutes of total volume in a workout like that. So if you're starting to get to a point where you feel like you can tolerate more training load than that, I usually just suggest adding a second one during the week. So maybe you go like a Tuesday, Thursday setup where on Tuesdays you're doing uh, three by 10 minutes. And then on Thursdays, you're doing three by eight minutes or something like that. So you're actually getting up closer to 60 minutes of total volume that week. Uh, That would be 54 technically. but you're splitting it in two sessions. So you're, you're doing it in a way where it's sustainable and you're getting that quality from them and the necessary recovery between same thing with the short intervals, uh, except less volume. You can just generally assume as you go up in intensity, that the duration at which you need to actually put work in is going to lower because like I was saying, in the beginning, you take on a much bigger recovery debt, the higher the intensity is. So by taking on too much of a recovery debt, you run the risk of taking a future workout off the table and ultimately over the course of the plan, spending less volume at that goal intensity. Finally, we have race pace. So the reason I can include this one is because there's well two two main reasons. One is it's just good to practice your race pace. So when you're out there, it's a lot easier just to tune into it and to actually feel what it's like. And then also developing at the, the, the intensity that you're actually going to perform at is going to be important. 
So this is going to be a big moving target depending on what you're doing. Maybe you're doing a 5K, maybe you're doing a marathon, maybe you're doing a 100 miler. Race pace is wildly different between the broad range of different endurance sports you have available to you. So uh, determining that tends to usually be the harder part. And if it's uh, separated from one of the intensities that I already spoke about, it can be even a little bit more difficult to pinpoint. So that just takes a little bit of practice that maybe takes doing some races to kind of like fine tune and narrow down what the potential is or where the mistakes are. You know, generally speaking, if you do an event and you have a really big positive split, chances are your early pacing was a little too aggressive for what you're actually going to be able to do. But one reason where race pace workouts can be useful is that can help you actually identify that. So let's say, for example, you're training for a marathon and you're going to start building in some marathon pace work into your long run as you get closer to the race itself. So you're starting to do the things that are most important for the race itself as you're getting closer to it. And you get through your first couple long runs and it becomes quite obvious that you're unable to tolerate even a relatively small amount of time within that long run at your goal marathon race pace. That could be a sign that your goal marathon race pace is just too aggressive. Or let's say like you get out there and you're doing your entire long run at your goal marathon pace and your long run is actually getting close to two thirds or three fourths of the distance of the marathon. That's a good indication that you probably are having a very conservative target for your race, your your marathon race pace. So practicing what you perceive to be a good goal time for you can highlight whether it is likely going to be something that is uh, reasonable for you or not. Another thing to do is use some of these other intensities and the paces you produce within them in order to help you predict it as well. So if you think about it, if those long intervals are essentially an intensity that you could sustain for about 60 minutes a race day setting, and you're doing a race that's going to take you two hours, chances are if you're pacing really, really close to that or even at that, it's going to be unachievable. So you can start kind of forming some ballpark numbers to play around with and work with as you get more of these other workouts kind of in the rotation and practiced and identifying kind of where your paces in certain environments fall within them. And since you're working least specific to most specific, the race pace type focus in your training is going to be closer to the end. So you're going to have already done in a lot of cases, many of these intensities throughout your plan already. All right. And that brings me to the final piece of this puzzle, which is order of operations. So all these, these intensities that I talked about, these five kind of target intensities that are going to be like these good starting points for anyone who's looking to really minimize the amount of confusion they may have and really learn about themselves as a runner before they get all fancy with more, uh, interesting, we'll say workouts is, uh, where do you place these within your training plan? So this will depend largely on your current fitness, your strengths and weaknesses, and your goal race day intensity. So I've sort of touched on this to some degree as I went through these intensities, but really what you want to think about is how far out from the goal race are you? And then start laying kind of some scaffolding as to like what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. Generally speaking, those base paces, that base intensity is going to be something that is very sustainable to work on essentially year round. So like I was saying before, the cost of that type of activity is quite low. So your body can adapt and tolerate a lot of it relative to some of the other stuff. The long intervals, the short intervals, depending on your race, the race day intensity is going to be the thing that I want to be a little more mindful of dosing at the right times of year so that you don't find yourself doing them so frequently that you end up overloading yourself with moderate and high intensity work to the degree where now all of a sudden you're not actually recovering and you're starting to like, I'll say burnout, which is kind of a nebulous word, but you're just, you're not seeing progress. You're regressing or you're not recovering or you're losing motivation. All these signs that tend to be there when you're not achieving the goals you're looking for, or at least making improvements. So usually like having that a strong uh, development with that base intensity is going to be a good spot, no matter what the distance you're running or training for training for a 5k, it's always good to have a strong base training for a hundred miles, always good to have a strong base. So starting from there is usually a good target. 
some people are already going to be there. Some people are going to be listening to this and be like, well, I've been just doing base miles essentially for the last however many months. So I'm really ready just to like essentially pick a race and start adding in some of this other stuff and moving forward versus someone who's listening to this and saying, I've never run before. So I really need to lay some groundwork before I can reasonably do anything along the long interval, short interval or race pace type stuff. So that's going to be kind of the first thing to consider. Then it's from there, it's working on weaknesses and things that are least specific to the race intensity you're going to do first. So this is where it gets interesting. You're training for a 5k. You're probably going to be doing some of those short intervals later in the plan because they're going to be much closer to the intensity you're going to run for a shorter endurance race like a 5k. Now, let's say you're training for a hundred mile. Those short intervals are going to be wildly different than the intensity that you're going to be producing out there running for, you know, in some cases, you know, over a day. So that's the way you want to start thinking about this. So let's work with the extremes to some degree here to kind of highlight it. If you're doing a hundred miles, that base is established. You might want to start with short intervals because those are going to be things that are important for your overall fitness but they're going to be the least specific intensity from the goal race intensity. And then after you spend some time developing that, you can move on to the next least specific thing and just work your way closer to goal race intensity. So if you're wondering about how long to spend in these intensities, really you're looking at about four to six weeks in terms of real adaptations actually setting in from these workouts. So that's usually a good starting point for someone who's new to this is, Give yourself at least four to six weeks of gradually adding more volume at that intensity in the way that I described earlier in the episode to the point where you can reasonably expect your body made some actual physiological adaptations to that before moving on to the next one. Generally speaking, if you're improving your pace at the goal intensity and you're not feeling like you're starting to like burn out from it, quote unquote, uh, or fatigue for overly fatigue from it. You could continue to press it, but really like there's a timeline essentially that most people are going to have where it, let's say you were seeing great improvement in your short intervals and you just kept doing them and doing them. And then all of a sudden you found yourself four weeks out from your hundred mile race and realized, oh, I just missed the entire rest of my training. That's not, that's like an extreme example that likely won't play out or probably maybe never will play out because short intervals tend to be the least sustainable of those, those categories, unless your race intensity is even faster yet than that. Uh, but for simplicity's sake, that's the way to maybe think about that. So back to kind of the, the point at hand though, like you for hundred mile, then you're going to move into your long intervals. You're going to spend some time developing that as a focus point of your training. So again, four to six weeks is when those like physiological adaptations are likely going to take place. That's a good starting point in terms of structuring a time frame to really work on long intervals. And then ultimately if you're doing hundred miles, when you move into race pace intensity, it's going to be whatever that happens to be. So uh, hundred miles is very long. A lot of people are going to be targeting a pace where, you know, you might only be moving four or five miles per hour on average. So then it just becomes a question of how do you actually want to break up that day? Because chances are that's slow enough where your running pace, even on an easy day is going to be faster than that. So you need to start considering when are you going to put walking breaks in there so that you don't have to go out there and feel like you're running this awkwardly slow pace from what you're used to in training and bringing yourself closer to that goal average pace with a run walk strategy, you know, versus maybe someone who is running a little bit more of a controlled event where the, you're going to finish a little sooner. You're a little further along the line in terms of where you're going to finish in the field. So you can run a larger portion or all of the race itself, in which case then, you know, maybe you find yourself in the base pace for that. So you might actually, for something like a hundred miles, you might actually return to some degree to the beginning of the plan before when you were developing foundational stuff, like your easy and your base pace intensities versus someone who's doing like, say a 5k, where again, you still want that strong base development, but then you might start working on things that are least specific to more specific. So then you might start going, uh, all right, I'm going to start with some long intervals. Then I'm going to move into short intervals then I'm going to move into race specific and kind of do it that way. So that is kind of the, the overview of how I would describe starting out in a way that is going to give you some, a reasonable number of focus points so that you don't feel like you have 
hundred things to do and only time for three of them, I guess is maybe the best way to say it. So uh, that is kind of the, the way I would outline things to someone who's either a beginner or someone who has just been running for a while, just a little more aimlessly and is getting confused by like everything that kind of goes into it. So got any questions about this, or if you want me to give you more feedback on something relative to kind of this type of an approach, uh, certainly do it, but I will remind you, this isn't necessarily the end all be all silver bullet for everybody. This is just, I think a great way for you to one, learn some of the valuable intensities that you're likely going to use a lot of regardless of what endurance event you're training for. And it's going to allow you to practice those intensities and really tune into the perceived effort. If you go through this, these intensities and you just screw up the order of operations, or you just completely do it differently, but you come out the back end really understanding what it feels like to do a short interval, a long interval, an easy run, a base run, and a race specific intensity, like you probably won to some degree because now you can go back the next time around and shuffle the order around differently in a way that's going to actually work better. Or let's say you do it perfectly right the first time and you realize there's some holes in this for what I'm trying to do. Uh, it could be something as simple as I'm not motivated to do, to do them in this straightforward kind of boring monotonous way then you know you might just for the sake of longevity in the sport and enjoyment want to add some flavor and some interesting different types of workouts in there and pull out some of that large workout library but this is going to be the individual characteristic because other people are going to see that and be like i really like the re repetition of it because i can confirm where my development is i like the kind of rinse and repeat simplicity of it all so that part is kind of the art of training and coaching, which is always kind of a fun aspect to it when you start kind of digging into individuals and things like that. But yeah, let me know if you have any questions or feedback on this episode. Also, if you have other topics of interest that you'd like me to cover on the podcast, send them my way. You can reach out to me at hpopodcast at gmail.com or head over to my website at zachbitter.com where you can reach out to me there or link to any of my social media channels at Zach Bitter on Instagram, at ZBitter on Twitter, at ZBitter Endurance on Facebook. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that this episode's sponsors are my friends at LMNT Electrolytes. They have a wide range of electrolyte supplements and are currently offering listeners to this podcast a free sample pack with purchase. If you are interested in checking them out and letting them know that you came to them through here, you can go to drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO or to the show sponsor landing page, which is just zackbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Links to that are in the show notes as well. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. 